Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Asthma and allergies are two of the most common chronic diseases in children, according to the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Dr. Kirsten Klepfer is here to speak with us today about her team's review, The Role of Microbiome in Allergic Disease Development. Dr. Klepfer is an associate professor of pediatrics at Indiana University School of Medicine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Klepfer. Can you please provide a summary of your team's review? We wrote this review um, almost two years ago, really at the start of the pandemic. And what we wanted to look to see really what the current literature was showing and what other people were finding about the microbiome with allergic diseases, because uh, this is an area of, of interest for me. So we do know that bacteria are present, and that's something that we've really started to focus in on and kind of discovered with newer techniques for detecting bacteria within the last 10, 15 years. And so we do know that it's present, you know, in, in our airway, it's on our skin, it's in our GI tract. And so my group here and a lot of other groups across the nation are looking to see how this influences the development of allergy and asthma and even the persistence of those diseases. And so we really wanted to look through the literature and, and kind of come up with a, a good review for people looking at what we found in food allergy, what we found with eczema, what we found with asthma and then allergic rhinitis. And so we worked on this and we were trying to look at it somewhat clinically as well to help people with the translation of this um, from bench to the clinic to see, you know, are there any things we can do clinically to see if there's ways to intervene yet with what's been found at kind of like the bench with the microbiome data. Can you elaborate for us a little bit more on how this review came about? You mentioned some of it there, mm-hmm. um, but really why is it just so important to study? You know, we're seeing an increase in allergic diseases, in food allergy, and asthma. So I think that this has become a focus for a lot of us that do research in this area is, you know, we've, we've come up with some pretty good treatments, although we were, we were, you know, continually looking for better treatments for these diseases, but, it, you know, how do we prevent them? And so we really have found that we're really shifting to trying to look at prevention, which means we're looking at early life. And that is kind of where this is start, This is coming from, is our focus on prevention and then seeing if we could prevent you know, children from having asthma long-term and really start to decrease this rate, this increased uh, rate of, of allergies and asthma that we're seeing. And how does this review impact clinical practice specifically as it relates to allergies and asthma? Yeah. So clinically, yeah, we're, I can't, I can't make great recommendations. I wish I could. Uh, we do know that there, we think there are some modified exposures, both at the prenatal period and um, even postnatally. You know, there are a lot of association studies that have been done. You know, we know that kids who are born on farms, um, there's great studies looking at kids who were born on farms have a significantly lower rate of allergic diseases. And we know it's from exposure to environmental bacteria, um, both, and it starts prenatally with mom. So the infant's immune system is already being primed prenatally. You know, we, we do know that, but then they can't make a recommendation that everybody has a farm because that's not practical. We do know that if, a, if you're born into a home where there's a dog with mom when she's pregnant, there seems to be a lower rate of allergic diseases, again, probably because of um, bacterial exposure with the animal going in and out of the house, bringing microbes in from the outdoors into the house. But again, you can't really tell everyone to get a pet. You know, we do know, again, the way they're delivered, whether they're, they come out as a vaginal delivery or C-section, there does, there's definitely a difference in the infant's microbiome based off of how they're born. And so may, I know there's a, there are studies ongoing 
trying to figure out if there's a way to address that because there are people that definitely need a, a C-section. Same thing with breastfeeding and formula feeding. We know breastfeeding is protective. We really already knew that, but now we're starting to link it with the microbiome, but that's not always an option. So then do we try to make formula so that it actually mimics breast milk even more and looking at some of the bacteria involved with that. And then antibiotic use, we do know that we probably need to use antibiotics judiciously during prenatally and after the baby is born because that has been linked and shown that you know, you definitely alter the microbiome when you start antibiotics on an infant. Again, you still have to use them some, but really thinking it through and deciding if they're needed or not. And then, you know, having eating a really healthy diet that's high in, in fiber because that has been shown. It's been linked with the microbiome. It's not all put together with a neat bow yet. And then, you know, encouraging breastfeeding, you know, trying not to use too many antibiotics. And then I think that we're really trying to look, even go back and look prenatally is where a lot of studies are starting to, to go or are headed. And then really trying to get down molecularly and figure out why we're seeing some of these associations in these children. Well, you mentioned some things on where studies are headed, but could you elaborate for us a little bit more on what's next for research on this topic? So there's a lot of research going on in this in this area. It's kind of one of the hot hot topics that everybody hears nowadays. There are several studies going on recruiting mothers prenatally to start following long-term. I think one of our big gaps that have been identified and that are trying to be addressed is so far, a lot of the studies that have been microbiome-based have been in high-risk Caucasians or, or, or white children. And so we're really missing the minority demographic and, and also you know across the world because the, we do see some differences based off of a country too with the bacteria. So also trying to determine what would be best for children in the United States may not be the same as, as children in Europe. We have a study and another group has a study where we're looking more at inner city. We think that if you grow up in a food desert, that actually makes a difference as well, which would address diet in mom and in the infant. There are a lot of gaps in our knowledge right now that we're trying to address. And we're looking at PFTs as well here in Indiana to see if we can, if there's a link between what's going on in their microbiome and their early immune development and their airway development. What would you say are the overall take-home messages from our conversation today? Overall take-home is clinically, we still don't have really good recommendations that are coming forward from the microbiome. I'm you know, still really promoting healthy, healthy lifestyles, which we, we all try to do in clinic. And that, you know, we're, we're doing our best to try to answer some questions and, and really translate what we're finding at the bench and translate it to clinical use. And for us to be able to counsel our patients and help try to prevent them from developing asthma and allergies or, or for their children to develop them. Is there anything else that you'd like to add today? No, I would just thank you for the invitation to speak today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you.